You're listening to the Photo Up Podcast, where we're covering photography, marketing, and business from all sides of the industry. I'm your host, New York wedding photographer, marketer, and resident sleepy person, Megan Brookelman. Welcome back to the Photo Op Podcast. Today we're chatting with New York wedding planner and founder of ColourPop Events, Leah Weinberg. So welcome, Leah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So tell us about you. How did you get started with wedding planning? So I have an int- my story is a little interesting. I actually used to be a commercial real estate attorney and um, very quickly into that career realized it was not for me and that I was also meant to own my own business. And so I started brainstorming different ideas. I mean, granted, this was like five years into my career, um, <laughs> but started brainstorming different ideas and event planning was just one that kept popping up for me over and over again, like consistently for like two or three years in terms of brainstorming things. And then I planned my own wedding in 2012 in Atlanta, though I do always like to add that I did have a month of coordinator because I knew better and know how valuable that could be. (laughs) For sure. Um, But found the process like fun and easy and enjoyable, which uh, for anybody listening that has been married, that is not a normal reaction to the wedding planning process. (laughs) So yeah, after my wedding, my wedding was August, 2012. I was like, okay, I think this is what I would like to do. So I started taking steps to get my business off the ground, was still working full time at that point. And then by October 13, had my first official wedding as ColourPop events, eventually had to find a part-time law job just so that I could have more time with the company, and then eventually quit the law altogether. So I like to say that I've been law-free for just over four years at this point, and the business has been around for technically six and a half years. Wow, I love that. And I feel like so many people who find their calling pivot from a completely different place in their life. And what was it about event planning that was just a big yes for you? It combined a lot of my strengths. So obviously from being an attorney, there's like the project management part of it, uh, being attention to detail, organization, stuff like that. But it also offered a creative outlet, which is something that I was sorely lacking as an attorney. So it had a ton of appeal for me because it really kind of matched up with what I thought I would be good at. And what's funny is I kind of went into this thinking that I'd probably be doing more corporate stuff, but weddings is honestly just what has worked and and what I've been going with. And how did you come up with ColourPop events as a name? (laughs) Funny story about that too. I actually had a different name for the company, but it was too similar to other event planners out there at the time. And I just wasn't interested in like playing the game of like, is it so similar who started it first, you know, all that kind of thing. So I originally, cause my first name was music inspired and I tried to find another name. So I remember like scrolling through my iTunes library, like looking at band names and album titles and stuff. And none of that really worked. And out of like the idea popped into my head for popped ironically um (laughs) popped into my head didn't mean to didn't mean the pun there um (laughs) but the idea came to me i was like oh pop of color that makes a lot of sense but it sounded a little bit wordy so i was just like color pop that works let's go with that and it's honestly been like really fortuitous because the 
that name is has been great. Like it's a great representation of me and who I am already. And so I very much am my brand, but it's also setting me up perfectly for the things that I want to do with the company in the future. Like I can just continue on with the ColourPop brand and just be able to work under that umbrella and not have to come up with a new company name. And speaking of your brand position, your website says securing your dream venue, booking vendors you love and can trust, creatively making space in your budget for special extras that make all the difference. So let's talk about that. What are the principles behind your business? So I definitely have a two-pronged approach to wedding planning that I think is a little unique from other planners in the market. The first part of my approach is definitely a more sort of intellectual, systematic approach to wedding planning. I do tend to work with a lot of lawyers, doctors, people in finance, I think, because they like my background. I can relate to them. They appreciate like my professionalism and responsiveness with everything. And so I like, I'm a big fan of smart wedding planning. Like let's just make a plan. Let's get organized. Let's execute on that. And then the second part of my approach to sort of counteract what might seem like a little more cold and rigid approach is I definitely lead with a lot of empathy and heart and compassion with my clients. It's really important to build relationships with them. I am friends with a lot of my past couples, even like super close friends with some of them. And so it is my priority to really build strong relationships. I do primarily partial planning and full planning. So I'm working with couples for a pretty serious amount of time. And so that gives me a lot of time to get to know them. They get to know me. We, especially if we're working together for like a year and a half to two years, sometimes, you know, we're going to see and talk to each other a lot. And so it's kind of natural to want to build relationships, but that's definitely a priority that I put into working with my clients. And how do you build relationships with your clients? Are you just staying in touch with them after the wedding? How is that something that you are accomplishing? Yeah, it's a combination. I mean, I am definitely, I always like send a follow up, like a thank you, handwritten thank you note after the weddings. I, at that point, so usually my rule is I'll always follow people on Instagram pre-wedding, but I will not add them as a friend on Facebook until after the wedding, just because I feel (laughs) like there should be a little bit of separation of church and state when it comes to that. So if I had like a really good experience with a client, I will add them as a friend on Facebook. So we kind of stay in touch via social media. A lot of clients, if I had a great time with them, like I'll want to, you know, offer to get together for drinks or dinner or something post wedding just to catch up. And so it's really kind of a natural progression. There's obviously people that you connect with a lot more than others. And so those are the ones who have kind of become like lifelong friends. But I do definitely make it a point to stay in touch, um, just kind of checking in every once in a while, commenting on Instagram posts, that kind of thing, just to also remind them that I'm here. I mean, obviously, past clients can be a great source of referrals and everything like that. And by no means is that the reason why I stay in touch with people. But um, it's a nice added benefit for sure. That's fair. And now that we have a little background on you, at the time of recording this podcast, we are currently in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. (laughs) So Leah, how are you? 
I'm telling everybody I'm alive. I'm hanging in there. It has definitely been a wild time in terms of what's happening, like unprecedented for everybody. I feel like most of us have probably never gone through anything like this in our businesses. I can say I, um, I was in college when 9-11 happened. And so I wasn't a working adult at that point. So like, obviously that was a different experience like being in school. And so this is definitely one of, definitely the biggest challenge that I faced in terms of being a small business owner for the last six and a half years. And I think for a lot of people, we really just don't know what to do. Like 9-11 was a moment, it happened and there was, I mean, that comes with a whole lot of whole separate emotional baggage along with it. But like it was a moment in time that it happened and that we rebuilt from. But with this, we don't know when it's going to end. And so in addition to just like living in the unknown and dealing with the negative impact that it's already had, there's this question on everybody's minds about when this is going to be over. What is the wedding industry looking like? in the US from your perspective right now? Everybody, everybody's nervous. I think everybody's a little scared. I also think everybody is coming together in unprecedented ways. Like the sense of community right now is absolutely incredible. People are banding together for their couples to offer any kind of support that they can. So in a way it's, a silver lining because it's beautiful to see what's happening with everybody. But then at the same time, the negative is that this is completely uninterrupted some people's cash flows and they are worried about being able to pay bills. And so it's like beautiful and terrifying at the same time, which is a really strange position to be in. And do you have a lot of photographers in your circle, in your community? I do. Yeah. So a lot of, I would say a lot of my close friends our photographers. And what's interesting is the difference between like planners and photographers and other vendors who mostly perform day of, and then obviously photographers and videographers have post-wedding editing to do. But like with planners, I've been working with them for the whole time, like based essentially working with them every day since they have hired me. So my services are being performed. My I've delivered. Um, so I am like earning my final payment basically every day that I'm working with them. So in terms of postponing and rescheduling, you know, I have a lot of protection in my client in my contract for collecting a final payment. And now I know with other vendors, like I said, photographers, videographers, DJs, people that perform on the day of when you're postponing a wedding, you are postponing that final payment because you're not performing. And so, yeah, my photographer friends, some of them are really hurting at the moment. They're really nervous about everything that's happening. And I feel for them, like that's one of the hard things about all this too, is like seeing people being legitimately worried about their businesses and, and being afraid for them. And what can wedding vendors and especially photographers be doing right now to create positive communications with their clients during such a such an uncertain period. 
Yeah, I would say, and this is, so here, my first recommendation. So I think there's different approaches if your couple has a wedding planner versus not having a wedding planner. So if the couple does have a wedding planner, I personally, and this is just maybe my personal preference, but I would rather have the photographer reach out to me before reaching out to the client just to kind of get any knowledge that I have of whether the client's thinking about things or not, because I wouldn't want the photographer to contact them out of the blue if we haven't had any conversations and then sort of like put the idea of postponement in their mind. So I would kind of want to get on the same page first, but by all means, after that discussion, like the photographer should reach out to the couple, let them know that they're here. They can even sort of proactively let them know how they are handling postponement postponements. So giving them a heads up as to whether the, the deposit they paid can get moved to a new date, maybe being proactive and letting them know generally like, hey, I've got a handful of Saturdays left in November, December, not so much in the fall, but also I have a lot of like Friday, Sunday dates. I think it's helpful just to reach out to people because our couples feel they're also in unprecedented times right now. They are feeling so, you know, at the same time, devastated, maybe guilty for thinking being sad about their wedding when on a global scale, this is so significant and they just want to feel less alone. So knowing that all of their vendors are thinking about them, knowing that their vendors still have their back, that we are sort of trying to proactively figure out what is going on, I think is going to give them a lot of comfort. So I definitely recommend sort of checking in with all of your clients. I think the way that I've been phrasing things for my fall weddings is just to say, hey, I know it's a little wild right now. Um, if you want to chat about anything, I'm here. I don't say like, if you want to chat about postponing, let's talk because, you know, I, it's far out and, you know, I think we can maybe wait and see a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think the phrasing is, is important as well, but definitely check in. That would be my recommendation. There are some couples though, for the fall of this year, and, and later in the year, who are already considering postponement, do you think photographers should be open to those conversations already? Do you think vendors should be open to those conversations? Or what does that look like in your sphere? I think that we should be open to those conversations. One of the things in just listening to all the webinars and information that we're all, all of us wedding vendors are getting right now, one of the important things that I've heard is that we all have to be careful about how we are phrasing things with our couples. And a great rule of thumb that I heard is that we shouldn't be recommending or suggesting anything. We should just let our clients know that we are there to support the decisions that they make. So if you do have like, let's say an October wedding, an October couple comes to you and says, we're thinking of postponing. Um, and frankly, I've been having sort of similar conversations with some of my fall clients, not necessarily about postponing, but just about them being nervous. And they asked me like what my opinion is. And I just say, I'm here to support whatever decision you want to make. I am here to talk it through with you, to weigh the pros and cons, to let you know what factors you should be considering. But so all of us should be open to having that conversation, but I don't think any of us should say, yes, you should postpone. No, it's too, you know, it's too soon to tell kind of thing. Like we should be very careful about giving definitive recommendations just for liability purposes, because 
I, the example that somebody gave is like, what if we say, oh, you should definitely plan to have it. It'll be fine. And then it's not fine. And the couples find themselves scrambling to have to find new vendors. And then they get upset and say, oh, we could have postponed this months ago and had options for better dates. Or maybe you tell them to po to postpone and then it was fine in October. And then they're like, oh, well, we could have still had it and not had to incur additional fees and all this stuff. So we should just be really careful about how we're phrasing things. Definitely have the conversations with clients. Shutting that down, I think, is going to give them a, a bigger sense of panic and um, also might make them feel like they're overreacting. So we want to make them feel like all of their feelings are valid. So we should be talking with them about it and um, just helping to support them as much as we can. And you said you have protections in your contract for kind of events like this. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Um, and of course, me being the ex-lawyer, I'm giving, I have to give the disclaimer that this is not legal advice. Everybody should <laughs> yes. contact their own attorney to determine what their contract should say. But as I was mentioning, so for me as a planner, like my work is continuous from the very, the day that they hire me up until the wedding. And so my contract is pretty strict and it gives me all of the power in terms of a postponement or cancellation for any reason. So if the couple wants to postpone, I am not obligated to perform on the new date and I do get to collect their final payment. If they do decide to cancel, then I also still get to collect their final payment. And just to give a little bit of background, the reason that I have that policy in place is because if something happens and the wedding is postponed or canceled, I don't want to have to negotiate with them about percentages, about like what percentage of my work is done. So like, let's say they call off the wedding the day before. So I've basically done every given, given them everything other than like showing up on the day of. And like, frankly, we're all probably undercharging for our services anyway. So arguably, I've earned my entire fee before the day of even happens. So I just didn't want to get into a semantics discussion if something happens under my contract. But that being said, having that as my like default provision gives me the ability to have discretion in how I treat different cases. So everything is a case by case basis. And there are definitely scenarios where if a wedding got canceled, I probably wouldn't collect my final payment. Um, I can say that now for any couples that are postponing to 20, a further date in 2020, I'm not charging any change fees, even though technically I could. And then anybody changing to a 2021 date is kind of a case by case basis. The reason there that being is it's additional work for me. So if a client postpones for another year, that's a whole other year of work that I'm doing, like checking in with them. It's all the work of doing the rescheduling. So getting in touch, contacting all the vendors to let them know about the new date, collecting new contracts, reviewing the contract amendments that are happening, um, updating everybody with the new information, updating all of my internal stuff. So like I put together a checklist for the client, so that gets fully revised. So there is a lot of work in postponing a date. And so I have to be fair. I'm trying to, I'm very, I'm trying very hard to balance being fair to the client, but also 
being fair to my business and maintaining my bottom line. Photographers, if you are listening, review your contracts. Take some of this time now. Or if you are listening in the future, past this pandemic, still take some time, review your contracts, and have a professional review your contracts. Yes, um, definitely. It's worth – I know we don't want to spend money right now, but even I am hiring an, an outside attorney to review my contract again because I just want to make sure that – there's no holes and that if it can be even stronger in the future and yeah, we don't want to spend the money for this, but the amount of money it will save you in the future by giving you extra protection is going to be worth anything that you would spend on it right now. I am almost positive. Most photographers do not have pandemic proof contracts. So it is super yeah. <laughs> important to add that to the housekeeping list right now. Yeah. And it's, so what's interesting is that what I don't think people necessarily realize about the contract is that we have any vendor has the ability to figure out what they want their policy to be. And then they put that in the contract and then the, you know, the client potentially depending on how savvy they are may try to change that. So just as an example, as I've been giving to people is like, let's say you're a photographer, you have a couple, they hire you and then you know, they decide like, let's say a month and a half, like you take your deposit, your final balance is due, let's say 30 days before the wedding, the client just the couple decides to call off the wedding a month and a half, just because like, they don't like them anymore. They don't like each other anymore. So change of heart situation. Um, you can decide that in that situation where they are canceling the wedding, because it's been a change of heart, that you get your final payment. Um, you could also decide that if a wedding gets called off for any reason within, the, let's say, the last 30 days before the wedding, within the last 60 days, you can say that you get your final payment. So it's kind of up to us to figure out what we want our policies to be and then make sure that our contracts reflect those decisions. And on that same track of housekeeping, what are some other things, in your opinion, photographers can be doing for their business right now since they can't be out shooting? Make sure you are staying current on social media. So just make sure it looks like make sure it looks like you're alive. So keep <laughs> posting. Um, I know a lot of people are just doing a lot of fun stuff on Instagram stories right now. So it's making us all seem like a lot more human. It's letting us connect in new ways that we probably weren't before. I feel like we're on social media a lot more. I think photographers can also make sure your portfolios are up to date. Take this opportunity to even like, you know, really refine your website and your portfolio. If there's some things that maybe don't spark joy, like galleries that don't spark joy for you anymore, maybe clean those out, maybe prioritize, you know, like move around some of your images so that you're presenting like some of your highlights towards the top of a page. There's a lot that we can be doing on the back end. And I will also say that if you're just not in the mood to do it right now, that's totally fine too. I have, there's like a meme going around that's like, I don't want to quote, make the best out of, I don't feel like making the most out of the pandemic. And that's referring to the people that are like, get your website in shape, you know, figuring out, figure out new marketing tactics, develop new sources of income, all that kind of thing. And like, if that's how, I mean, for some people, like that's how they cope. Like I personally kind of want to stay busy. So I'm doing a ton, 
But if you just want to sit in your feelings for a little bit and feel the feels and wrap your head around what is going on, that is absolutely fine. Like you, you need to do you and not feel pressure to like be doing a ton of other stuff. Um, but if you on, but on the flip side of that, if you do feel like staying busy, there's a ton that you can be doing, you know, maybe you want to update your branding. If you need to update some copy on the website, just sort of audit the business as a whole. Maybe there's internal processes that you want to implement, maybe onboard with a new CRM. Like I feel like the list could go on and on. It's all the things that are basically on my to-do list that I never have time to do um, <laughs> is what my <laughs> recommendations are for people to work on. I mean, thank you also for acknowledging the fact that like it can be really hard and I am being very open in my Instagram stories about this right now. Like it can be hard to get out of bed some days right now because it's hard to be functional when things are dysfunctional. And yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Um, So I'm uh, it's weird. I'm I feel like I'm half introvert, half extrovert because I definitely love my alone time and need it, but then at the same time like I'm definitely energized by the right group situations. But I do have some extrovert like highly extroverted friends and it's fascinating because they really truly are having a really hard time with this because they are not used to being by themselves. They are not used to not having social contact. And yeah, the virtual happy hours and stuff are super fun. Like they've been great and they revive me truly. But for like true extroverts, sometimes that's not enough. So I know that there are a lot of people who are just really feeling this extra hard by having to be at home, you know, either quarantined like with a significant other or roommates or even solo. I mean, for me, I love being at home. Like this is, I'm so excited that I'm <laughs> home all the time. I don't have anything going on at night because now I can either keep working or I can watch TV. Um, so I'm thriving in this environment, but I know that there's not, there are definitely people who are not. Yeah. And I think that's applicable to anyone listening in the future post pandemic as well. I think if you are not in the right headspace to be pushing through on certain aspects in your business, don't try and force yourself to, because we all have bad days. We all have bad weeks. Like sometimes it's okay just to chill and reset and let yourself, as you said, like sit in your feels. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of naps. And so like now that we're all working from home, if you're tired in the middle of the day, like take a nap. It's okay. Um, every Nobody's going to be like looking for <laughs> you. Um, yeah. So like napping is my one of my favorite pastimes as well to just sort of give me a little boost during the day. Oh my gosh, I feel so kindred with you. <laughs> um, and speaking of kind of the connecting aspect, like you were talking about earlier, I know there are virtual happy hours and webinars and things going on, but overall planner referrals can be a major way that photographers generate leads. And how can photographers connect with planners like yourself, especially when we can't physically connect? Yes, this is a really great question. And actually, one of the webinars I was just on before this sort of addressed that. And this is also a topic that I'm kind of like fired up about in general, because I do get and other planners get a bazillion of these cold emails where it's like, hi, I'm so and so I want to be added to your preferred vendor list. I'll give you a 10% commission for any bookings. And 
you know, for the most part, if it's like a super generic one, I'm always polite. I respond like, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'll keep you in mind. Um, but you're not really connecting in that way. Also, it comes off really salesy. And for anybody listening that may not realize this, for planners, we are responsible for everything and we get blamed for anything that goes wrong at a wedding, even <laughs> if it's not our fault. And so we are very, very, very careful about who we recommend and who we like to work with. And so, um, you know, sometimes if I'm like, there's a particular vendor who just will not leave planners alone. And we all even talk about this person, like how they're just relentless and they're never going to get anywhere with these cold emails that they send. And so I responded to that person and was like, Hey, I, you know, I appreciate these emails, but just so you know, I am literally never going to recommend you if I have not worked with you before, or if you are not already a friend of mine. So like, for example, there's definitely photographers who I'm friends with, whose work I like and appreciate, who maybe we haven't had a chance to work together professionally. But if I know you personally, I am comfortable recommending you. But aside from those two things, I am never just going to add a random person to my preferred list. And I always say to these people, like, if you want to, if you want to be added to my preferred list, we have to work together. So convince one of your couples to hire me. Like that's how we sort of solve this. But that is a whole rant sort of aside from the question <laughs> that you asked, I realized, but I just wanted to put that out there because cold emails are just not the way to connect with people. So what my advice is, is to sort of is to have a genuine desire to reach out and connect with somebody like on a genuine level, not just because of what they can do for you. And I 100% agree that for photographers, planners and venues are the top two. Those are who you should be focusing on in terms of building relationships. So you, there are ways to send emails to stand out, um, making sure that in the email, it's clear that you've actually looked up this person's website or visited their social media or read about them so that you understand their story. And like the person who's receiving the email wants to know that you actually like know who they are. And then, um, it's, potentially about inviting them, like saying, I want to take you out for lunch or take you to coffee. Now I do know there's a lot of people that are super busy and just don't even have time for that. So that may not necessarily be the way to stand out. Um, I've had photographers offer to do like free headshots, which I think is really great. Um, I still think though, there is a potential for not getting any kind of positive response to even those kind of emails that are, are more genuine. So I think you're, you're a great way to go about doing this is to connect with people on social media. So start following them, interact with them, comment on stuff, like message them, not about business stuff, but like commenting and people will notice like there are, there are people who are now very dear friends of mine who I joke that like they infiltrated me on Instagram and that's <laughs> how we met like it's really funny but that is how it works like if people are genuine and real and you feel that people like really want to be friends and get to know you then doing that over time on social media is going to be really great that's such a good point 
I know a lot of our clients actually have come from Instagram and social media just because we did make those personal connections. I honestly hadn't thought about connecting with vendors in that same way that we're connecting with clients. You know, I've been organically connecting with vendors for a long time or, or having friends make introductions like being mm-hmm. introduced to you. But that's that's a really good point because I know when people do the same for me on social media, I connect with them and I resonate with them. I don't know why that hadn't clicked with me, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Like it's, I mean, that's it's weird, but that is how we make friends these days. Is you kind of see people on social media and feel like you get, but like you get to know them to an extent to whatever it is that they are sharing on social media. It is truth to some point, whether it's the full truth or not, that's a whole other podcast topic for another day. (laughs) But you can tell if you really like people and then they can also sort of like see your work and see who you are. That's one of the reasons why I think during this time, especially like being active on like Instagram stories and showing who you are as a person, like I'm definitely posting like a ton more fun and silly stuff on Instagram stories just because you know, I'm going a little nuts over here and need, everybody <laughs> needs levity. So like people are getting a lot more baby Yoda memes and stuff for me. Um, mm-hmm. But that shows like, but that's great. Like then you can like, you can identify, oh, this person's like obsessed with baby Yoda as much as I am. Like, let me like, let's talk about baby Yoda or like send baby Yoda. Like if it's somebody that you want to develop a relationship with, like send a funny meme to them that's in line with stuff that they've been posting. Like, we're giving you all the tools to like know who we are and know what we like. And so it's actually kind of a pretty easy way to connect with people. Got it. Baby Yoda memes to everyone. <laughs> that is that is the goal. <laughs> um, and then kind of as a final question, do you have any advice for photographers and vendors who, whether now in the midst of pandemic or in the future, just in general times of drought, do you have any advice for them on weathering this storm? Yeah, I think there's, there's two things. One is to just kind of make sure that your business foundation is solid in terms of like, again, your contract, Um, but systems and processes, marketing efforts, um, just make sure that you have a really good grasp on like every part of the business as a whole. So things can run really smoothly, even when times are tough. And then I think that my second thing is we can all take a look at what we're doing and figure out ways to add some more income streams. So like whether it's passive income, so maybe you want to get into education and start offering online courses or like education materials that people can just be buying. Maybe you want to do a book. Maybe you want to offer one-on-one coaching sessions. I've seen a lot of photographers do that successfully. So that's something that even when weddings aren't happening, other photographers are always going to want to be getting advice on how to build their businesses. So that's something that can continue. There's things like looking into affiliate marketing. So, you know, whether that's, I mean, one example is like fermented for stationary planners can have a link that we send people and or not even planners, everybody through like one of those, um, I think it's like share a sale or something, but you can have a minted link. And so anytime you send that link to one of your clients, whether you're a photographer, planner, whoever, and they purchase something, they you get a percentage, it might be small, but hopefully it adds up over time. 
Um, there's also, you know, if you want to like really go out there, maybe you have a fun crafting hobby or side hustle that you have and like you want to start an Etsy shop and sell some things. Um, there's lots of things that we can be doing. And I think having some extra streams of income is really would be really helpful for a lot of us right now. I have a feeling there is going to be an education boom in about six weeks from, yes. from well, everyone working on their digital education. I mean, I'm using this time to get my book done. So hopefully that'll help me get my book out by the summer. So that can be a stream of revenue for me as well. Well, there you go. And uh, where can our listeners find you? I am at ColourPop Events on all social media platforms. My website is colorpopevents.com. And then I also just wanna mention, I'm happy to field questions from anybody that wants to chat more. So my email address is leah, L-E-A-H, at colorpopevents.com. I would love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much, Leah. This has been great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the Photo Op Podcast. If you liked this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and let me know what you liked and what you want to hear more of. Also, head on over to the Facebook community and participate in some conversation with fellow photographers. If you want to reach me directly, feel free to DM me at Megan Brookelman, which is linked in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in a flash.